There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. I want to walk, but I run back to you. That's why I hate myself for loving you. Don't hate yourself for loving me. You know, it's a, it, I'm one of the few people that you can count on, you know. I think about all the people who have made all kinds of promises over the years and just couldn't stick to them. I'm not like that. If I make a promise, I do my best to keep it, sometimes to my own detriment. But there are things that I've been standing up for for decades, literally decades. And people have excoriated me for them and people have literally written front page articles in newspapers calling me everything except like a baby killer because they don't tolerate that but I have been saying for literally almost 30 years well actually more than 30 years that you cannot have unbridled entrance into your country of unvetted immigrants that's called an invasion. It's not called immigration. They're aliens, illegal aliens. That's not, you know, me mistakenly referring to them as creatures from outer space. That's actually the definition of someone who is from elsewhere. They're alien when they come into your country or if I go into someone else's country, I'm an alien. And all I've heard from the Democrats since the day I first staked out a position on this issue, and I keep thinking back to this article that was written about me in a local newspaper, and the cover of the paper that week, it was one of these weekly, you know, I call them like trash papers, but whatever. A lot of people read them. And they had a cover artwork of a, like a sign. You know how you have signs that say, do not cross here? Well, it had some, I guess they thought it looked like an illegal immigrant mother with a baby. And then the big no sign across it, the slash through the red circle. And then an article about how wicked and evil I was for not thinking it was okay to have an open border. And this was written back in the 90s, okay? I took the beatings, I took the abuse, along with Roger Hedgecock from San Diego, the incredible organization, Federation for American Immigration Reform Fair. We actually started a, an event called Hold Their Feet to the Fire. And every year we went up to Washington, D.C., Sometimes we took grassroots activists with us and we taught them how to go from congressmen's offices to the senatorial offices. We taught them how to plead their case with their representatives and with the leadership. 
of both parties. And people said this was un-American, what we were doing, when it is the most American thing you could do, which is to redress your grievances with your government. It's part of that First Amendment. But I withstood the laughter and the carrying on. And the very first year, I said to then the, it was a different owner of the radio station, it still was 850. And I said to them, I want to do something to get a lot of attention for this issue. And so I'm going to ask my listeners to send their souls to Washington with me because not everybody can go. And by that, I was asking them to bring a pair of shoes, shoes that represented their lives, and to write on the sole of that shoe their message for Congress. And my boss was very upset. He said, you know, if this fails, you're going to look really ridiculous. What if you only gather, you know, 100 shoes? And I said, I'm really, I have a real strong feeling about this, Steve. I said, you got you to gotta, you gotta believe in me like I believe in me. And we set out to gather up these shoes and take them to Washington, D.C. We went to every uh, transit depot that we could go to, the, the train stations for tri-rail, bus depots, anywhere. And at that time, we had a number of these yellow taxi cabs that were like the WFTL, I don't know what we called them, but we had a fleet of these cars that looked like taxi cabs with the, the WFTL logo on the top. And we went everywhere picking up shoes. I collected construction workers' boots, tap shoes of a little baby. No, she wasn't a little baby. She was like five. Now she's probably like 20. <laughs> I, I collected boots that they had brought back from serving in the Middle East during wars. I brought back high heels. I brought back sneakers. You name it. And every single person had written a message on those soles. And then I had buttons made up that said, I'm taking your souls to Washington, D.C. And still, a lot of disbelief. A lot of local news stations were starting to catch on, though, and they're thinking, wow, this, something's going on here. There's some sort of uh, real movement happening. And ultimately, they kept sending CNN, Fox, all the big uh, network cable networks started sending reporters to the station because the shoes were piling up. We had an entire conference room filled with shoes. We ended up with over 5,400 pairs of shoes. We had to get a tractor trailer to haul all these shoes up to Washington, D.C. And I had arranged for a shelter or Salvation Army or, or Faith Farm, someone was going to get the shoes after I dropped them in front of Bush's White House. And everybody thought I was crazy as a bed bug, but you know what? Crazy like a fox. It got a lot of attention all over the country. And people knew I meant business. I did not believe that this was a recipe for anything other than complete disaster. And that the American people were on the same side I was on. And I could prove it by taking their souls with me to Washington. And they always say, you can figure that callers or people who contribute to a cause, whether it's to bring a pair of shoes or to take a button that I'm giving out, 
represent less than 2% of the people who are actually with you. So if you think about that, I knew I was going there to represent thousands, if not 100,000 Florida listeners. And everybody at the time said, well, that was a really cute effort. Let's see you know, if it uh, resonates. There was a bill that was being decided on. It was called the McCain-Kennedy Bill. John McCain and Ted Kennedy had crafted this legislation and we shut down because most people didn't go with me. I think I took a, maybe 40 people came up with me and the rest of them shut down the switchboard, not just the White House, but the congressional switchboards, various offices. We just slammed them for about 72 hours and they didn't even take up the bill. And it was amazing. You know, we were thrilled with the results. And people were still accusing me of all kinds of nefarious reasons for doing this, when in fact all I was trying to do was prove that the American people were not okay with this. The people who brought shoes to me, and I went out on these pickups, and I'm talking about legal immigrants, I'm talking about young people, old people, working people, members of the military, kids, young people, they all showed up to say, yeah, no, there's something wrong with this. We should have a control over our immigration system. Here we are, decades later, because that was 2000 and, what was it? Mm, It was, oh my goodness, I can't even remember how long ago it was. It was maybe 97, I, I, I don't remember. It was a long time ago. And all I know is, I've been on that same bandwagon, fighting that same fight, listening to people call Donald Trump a racist for wanting to build a wall, listening to people accuse me of being a a self-hating Hispanic, you know, all kinds of garbage that I've put up with all these years. And all I kept saying was, but this is right. We're on the right side of this issue. So what do I wake up to? Not even wake up. I, I saw it before I went to bed last night. Nine million illegal border crossings later, the Biden administration finally acknowledges that a wall is necessary. More than two and a half years and some nine million illegal entries later, the Biden administration is now acknowledging that we have a very serious problem along our southern border and that physical barriers are needed to stem the flow of illegal immigration into the United States. DHS announced today that it will take such actions as may be necessary to install additional physical barriers and roads, including the removal of obstacles to detection of illegal entrance in the vicinity of the United States border to deter illegal crossings in areas of high illegal entry into the United States. Well, hallelujah. You know, I could sit here and be disturbed that nobody wanted to listen to me before it was such a massive problem and before so many hundreds of thousands of people had died of fentanyl overdoses and tens of thousands of women had been sex trafficked and children had been sex trafficked. Before all that, if somebody had paid attention to me, the wall would have been completed. But I'm not going to, to, to push that line of thinking. What I'm going to say is hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Better late than never. 
but a lot of damage has been inflicted on this nation by this administration and their refusal to erect border barriers that American taxpayers had already paid for. This was all paid for already. And that damage is being added to every single day. After years of denying that a border wall and other physical barriers are actually work, are effective, the DHS announcement tells me that there's a sea change in their thinking, right? A, a secure wall is an effective tool for maintaining control of our borders. Well, guess what? How come it made Donald Trump a racist, but it doesn't make Joe Biden a racist? And having made that concession, they they need to immediately begin construction of that wall across the border. And let's see. In the interim, it's critical that the administration think about catch and release policies that are driving this massive illegal immigration. You know, these additional physical barriers will take time to build. And every month we set a new record for illegal entries. We got to move and we got to move now. It is tragic that the crisis at the border and its effect on communities all across the country had to reach this point before the administration decided it was time to act. But now, having made that call, they got to go all in and complete the border wall and reverse all of the failed policies that got us here. It, it's amazing how I will continue to fight a battle long after other people have given up. I remember Roger Hedgecock, who was, you know, he and I were the ones who began that fair feet to the fire rally with nationwide uh, radio hosts from all across the country. We said, this is going to work. This is going to work. But over the years, you know, even Roger fell away. Lots of people stopped coming. Lots of people didn't care anymore. Lots of people, when Donald Trump got elected, said, okay, game, you know, now we're, we've, we've, we're okay. Everything's going to be okay. And I said, not so fast. We don't know what the next administration will do. And now we do know. They screwed it all up. So now we have to go to these heroic measures, which I asked them to go to 30 years ago, when my reason for being against unlimited illegal immigration into this country was actually pretty liberal. My feeling was, how can you preserve an environment if you have so many people in a place that's not ready for them? How do you ensure there's fresh water? How do you keep housing costs uh, reasonable for the American citizen? How do you make sure that people are vetted properly and that you don't have terrorists or people with you know, illnesses that have been cured in this country for decades? How do you do all of that? They didn't want to hear it. Nobody wanted to talk about it. Well, guess what? They're talking about it now. They're talking about it now. Better late than never. And you want to know why I stay steadfast about how either you believe that Kevin McCarthy was a lousy Speaker of the House, or you don't. I do. His being gone doesn't upset me one bit. All right, let me take a break. Don't forget to download the app, the 850WFTL app, and don't forget to visit the website, 850WFTL.com. We've got all kinds of contests you can participate in, and, of course, you can hear all the uh, podcasts, not just mine, but the UAP and Cool Dad Rules and the Morning Show, whatever you want to listen to. It's right there. Let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. 
Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. You know, I, I listen to some of the news stories that are out there, and y- you can't help but say to yourself, but we told you this was going to happen. We told you that. You know, 71% of Americans today in a study said that they that, that politics are chaotic and that they have lost faith in their country's leaders. From the ousting of the Speaker of the House to the controversies around the current president and around the previous president, seven out of 10 people say there's no one they trust to save them from an end-of-the-world event. So that doomsday clock, which was established back in like 1947 by a group of atomic scientists, including Albert Einstein, by the way, the doomsday clock is a barometer. It tells you, or it attempts to catalog, catalog the barometer for humanity's, uh, uh, how close they are to global annihilation. So it's kind of like a metaphorical measure of our vulnerability to something cataclysmic happening, nuclear war, climate, pandemics, asteroids landing on us. And the closer the clock's hands are to midnight, the closer we presumably are to a doomsday scenario, right? And according to a survey by bonusfinder.com, 71.2% of Americans say they have no faith. Not just a little faith, not just much less faith than they used to. No faith in the U.S. government to save them or to prevent the doomsday event. What's even worse, a lot of people believe it could happen within the next year. Over half of the people that were polled think that doomsday is going to come in either a, a, a climate-related catastrophe or another virus that'll sweep over the globe. And then, of course, the quarter that I find myself in, the fear that there'll be a World War III. And another 7% are actually betting on an alien invasion, including Stephen Diener. <laughs> but, can, you know, there are some people in this poll, who actually believe that 2024, that's next year, will finally be the year that zombies walk on Earth. So we go from a lack of faith in the U.S. government, a distrust, and it's on both sides. This was a bipartisan finding. Democrats, Republicans, independents, they all feel the same way. Researchers found that a staggering 82% of people in the swing state of Arizona don't trust the government to protect them. Almost more than 8 out of 10 people in Arizona have lost all faith in their government. 43% 
of them have stored up supplies for a potential disaster. Following Arizona, the top five states with the least amount of trust in the government, Kansas, Alabama, Pennsylvania, and Oregon. Now, I'm one of these people who always thinks it's better to be prepared and not need something than to be unprepared and need it. So I'm not what you call a prepper, but I have admittedly put in supplies. That's all for me. That comes in a variety of ways. One, I became very fearful a couple of years ago about all this uh, gun control nonsense that was going on. And then they were limiting lead and they were limiting bullets. And so, I, you know, I made sure that uh, I'm not going down without a fight. <laughs> and I have put food away. You know, now you can go to, to these wonderful organizations. Like uh, uh, I know that Dan Bongino talks about Patriot Supplies. Well, I know all about Patriot Supplies. And I know all about making sure that you have emergency food. Now, my original reason for getting emergency food, which is reputed to last 25 years, and in 25 years from now, I'll be in my like late 90s. <laughs> you know, so I figured this is good. You know, um, I worry about storms. I worry about being cut off from supplies. One thing that COVID-19 taught me was you have no control over whether you're going to have access to food stuff or paper towels or toilet paper or anything else. And if you don't trust your government, which apparently seven out of 10 people don't, then you need to prepare yourself in case you need some stuff. I always, you know, I always stock up on water. I'm one of these people, since I moved here to Florida, I said, hey, there's no way I'm going to get caught without drinking water. I always have extra food. I even have extra pet food. And that's a recent addition. Because I have these lunatic, can't get enough food, cats. And of course, I used to think it was important to have cash. You know, I have a safe and I thought, okay, with a certain amount of cash is important because, you know, what if the grid goes down and I can't get money out of an ATM or the banks all close? I mean, there's a hundred different reasons. And so, I, I, you know, I was a person who always squirreled away some extra cash. And now with all these digital currencies and all this fear mongering that goes on around that subject, I don't have any confidence in cash. <laughs> you know, um, uh, what are you going to do with your gold bars? I got a lot of friends who stocked up on gold bars and silver coins and all the rest of it. What are you going to do with it? If they shut down the marketplace, no amount of gold is going to feed you. So I'm not alone. You know, what this poll showed me was that if you lack confidence in your government's ability to operate, then what makes you think they'll be able to protect you. I don't know. You know, I don't live in fear. I'm just prepared. That's all. I just make sure that I have a little confidence that if there's a hurricane or if there's a pandemic, I'm not going to starve 
for a period of time. You know, you decide how long that is, three months, three years, whatever it is. People are thinking this way. People are moving out of areas they've lived in their whole lives. Who wants to live in a city that you, if you want to go to the Army-Navy football game, it's a pretty popular event, right? And certainly a lot of veterans go to that. I know a lot of people who go to the Army-Navy game as often as they can. Well, this year it's going to be in Massachusetts, right? And I read to this morning, actually, I didn't read it. I first heard it on our South Florida morning show, and then I did some more research on it. But apparently, veterans who are planning to go to this game are having their hotel reservations canceled. Okay, well, why? Well, because there is a law in Massachusetts, particularly in that greater Boston area, that you must provide shelter. It's called the right to shelter law. So if you had booked a hotel room for the Army-Navy game, and let's say you did it a while ago. I mean, I didn't even know it was going to be in Massachusetts, but people who were into it knew. So if you booked yourself a room, well, now you are getting your rooms canceled because they have to shelter and support the refugees at the hotels in Massachusetts. Uh, no, it's granted. You know, it's hard to make a case that people who have nowhere to live aren't more needy than people who just want to go to a football game. But wait a minute. Well, you're an American citizen. You should at least have first right of refusal. No, no, no. I've never heard of anything like this happening before. I've never had a hotel say, your reservation is canceled because I have to have somebody who broke the law and snuck into the country stay in the room that you booked. It's All this stuff is just mind-boggling. And we're talking about predominantly veterans. That's who go to these games. Or the parents of the students who are at those academies. You know, if your kid is on the team from West Point, you should have a hotel room before some illegal immigrant gets it. But again, you know, I've been saying this for decades, and today the Biden administration finally admitted things might be a little out of control. Maybe we ought to build a wall. Maybe, you think? Maybe that should have crossed your mind a little earlier. Maybe. Just maybe. Anyway, let me take a break. Don't forget, I, w I had said I was going to have uh, Dinesh D'Souza on today, but I messed up that interview. It was actually supposed to be yesterday. He'll be on Monday. But in the meantime, it's a good thing because I just can't stop talking. I'm going to actually have a speaking engagement tonight. And I feel sorry for those people because I don't think they know what they're in for. I'm, um, I'm literally losing my compass mentis. My mind is uh, just it's all over the place. 71% of us have no faith in government. Wow. Let me take a break. I'll be right back. So uh, if you have little or no confidence in your government, how do you like this headline today? A U.S. jet fighter shot down a Turkish drone today 
after it was deemed a threat to U.S. forces in northeast Syria. The episode comes as Turkey has been mounting air attacks against Kurdish militants that it blames for a bombing attack in Ankara on Sunday. We have like 900 troops in Syria that are working with these uh, Kurdish leaders, Kurdish-led fighters, battling ISIS, the Islamic State. So now the Turkish Defense Ministry said that the drone didn't belong to them. But the American official says it was an armed Turkish drone and that the U.S. was aware of that before it acted. So the aircraft that downed the drone was armed with air-to-ground munitions, was an F-16, and the action was taken as American troops were conducting operations nearby. So this is a shoot-down. What do you think that's going to do to the already uh, very hot tensions between Turkey and the United States, which are technically NATO allies, but they're in disagreement over the American military strategy in Syria? And then we, the U.S. ejected Turkey from their fighter jet, jet fighter program and... Uh, we're not happy that Erdogan, the president of Turkey, has this very tight relationship with Putin. So now the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, most people don't know who he is, and most of us who do know who he is cringe when we hear that he's going to be conducting talks. Just saying. This is what, why people have absolutely no confidence in the government right now. Do you feel like Joe Biden is in charge of any of this? Do you think they've even told him? Here's a man who yesterday, re again, in spite of the Supreme Court saying, you cannot simply wave your hand and do away with student loan debt. He did it again yesterday. So now this constitution that he took an oath to defend, he's in violation of it yet again. It's no wonder that people don't have any confidence in this government. You know, to, to wake up and find out that this man now thinks we should build a wall. I mean, the, the height of arrogance to have lambasted the previous administration for the vice president, Kamala Harris, who went down to the board and said, well, we'll never do that. We're not going to build a wall. I wonder what's going to happen to all the progressives in that party, to all the AOCs and Cory Bushes and all the rest of them when they, find out, when they found out this morning that Joe Biden's going to be building a wall. <laughs> it's absolutely priceless but scary. Now we have another phenomenon. We have this category. When we look at people in our country, we say we have Christians, we have Jews, we have Muslims, we have people who practice other faiths, maybe Buddhists, whatever. Um, the largest growing or the fastest growing group 
when it comes to identities with religious significance are the nuns. The nuns, not N-U-N-S, the N-O-N-E-S. The people who do not believe in anything. Most religions, say these people, are just money-making. Most religions don't tell you what's really going on, and they're just trying to keep you in line with their religious attitudes. I have said since the beginning, the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S, that account for a large portion of Americans, 30% of Americans now identify themselves and say they have no religious affiliation whatsoever. Those are the nuns. And this has been increasing for the last 30 years. So who are they? They're the atheists, the agnostics, the nothing in particulars. I love the ones who say, I'm spiritual but not religious. And some are neither or both. They're all different races, all different ethnicities, all different genders, all different classes, all different ages. And the one thing that they all have in common, they really, really don't like organized religion. They don't like its leaders. They don't like the politics. They don't like the social positions. But they're not just a statistic. They're real people with unique relationships to belief and non-belief and, and even the meaning of life. This is why I tell you, when you eliminate any kind of moral parameters, when people grow up without faith in a power greater than themselves, which I call God, then they can do whatever they want whenever they want, to whoever they want. And you end up with what we're seeing right now. Every morning I wake up and I look and it's like the purge, the movie. You know, these people are rioting over here. Those people are shooting up college campuses. It's just a constant barrage of people who have absolutely no belief system which might tell them, as my belief system tells me, that I'm going to have to answer for these things one day. That this isn't a dress rehearsal. You know, I'm having a human experience, but I'm a spiritual being and I believe that my spirit will continue. Where it continues is a big deal to me. I do believe in heaven and I do believe in hell. And I know where I want to go. And as a direct result of wanting to live right, I don't do things that are dangerous to other people or dangerous to myself anymore. There was a time when I still did things that were dangerous to myself, but not anymore. How, how do you have a civil society if no one ever thinks they ever have to answer to some greater power? if they're never going to be held accountable for what they did or what they're doing. How do you have someone like a Vladimir Putin 
go roaring into a sovereign nation and kill women and children without seeming to have any real understanding of the horror of what he's doing. You know, how do you have, you know, drug cartels in Mexico that know thousands of people are dying every day from these illicit drugs that are, we don't even know what they are. That's why I'm telling you. Losing faith, faith in your government, faith in God, faith in moral rights and moral wrongs is getting worse and worse every day and you can see the results. Things are not not going well here. You know, I, I take it all back to this whole era of free love and don't worry, if you get pregnant, you can just eliminate the pregnancy. And we made that sound like it was perfectly uh, all right, norm, not, don't even think twice, you know? It's like getting a tooth pulled. What has that done to us as a people? Destroyed us. Destroyed any moral boundaries that we might have once upon a time had, and which some of us still have. It's a pretty, pretty, pretty scary time right now. I feel sorry for young families. I feel sorry for... You know, my, my children who have to raise my grandchildren in this environment. Things have gone up and down, been good and bad. But right now, 72% don't think the government can protect us. But don't worry, because Joe Biden's going to build a wall. So don't forget, coming up after me is Eric Erickson. And then all the evening guys will come along and overnight guys. And then tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., Jen and Bill will be back with the South Florida Morning Show. At 9 o'clock, Brian Kilmeade comes on, and then Dan Bongino at noon, and then I'll be back at 3 o'clock, and then it'll be Friday. So, you know, I don't know about the rest of you, but I sure could use a weekend. This has been a rough one, and it's going to get rougher. All right, stay right where you are. i got one segment left. Sometimes, though, I have to hit you up with, like, a little bit of what I would consider, if not good news, at least it's uh, just desserts. How about that? You know, Michael Wolff, who has written a bunch of these nonsense books, I don't really read his books. Um, he's got this new book called The Fall, The End of Fox News and the Murdoch Empire, right? So apparently, you know, it came out with a bang. It was on the New York Times bestseller list at about number 14. And then the uh, Daily Beast, which is not exactly, uh, you know, a one-sided publication, finds that just over 3,000 copies, including pre-orders, have actually been purchased in the first week. That is Zippo. You know, this is a book where apparently Michael uh, Wolf claimed that Tucker Carlson and Ron DeSantis had a falling out and, and that uh, DeSantis kicked uh, Tucker Carlson's dog. I mean, that was a big story. I, not, not big to me, but apparently it was a big story to Wolf. And of course, not only did they deny it, both Tucker Carlson and Ron DeSantis, but, you know, uh, it was, there was no evidence. So here you have these 
insane books that nobody's reading, but get tons of press. <coughs> and then you'll have a book like Levin's new book, and I'm very angry with Mark Levin right now, but that's not going to stop me from reading his book. And that book actually has some merit. But all you'll hear about is the New York Times bestseller by Michael Wolf, even though nobody is reading it. They don't care. It furthers their agenda. So whether you read it or not doesn't matter. All they got to do is tell you that people are reading it. But the show's over. So I thank you for your time this time until next time. My plan is to be back here tomorrow at 3 o'clock if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then, of course, I always like to say, may God bless you and may God bless the United States of America. Keep your head up so you can see what's coming. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.